I'm Helen Rabello. Welcome to the Turning Point Project. I believe that when you face a big transitional moment in life, you have to learn how to transcend your fears and honour the process, even if it gets messy in the middle. In this project, inspiring conscious creatives and entrepreneurs share their stories about how they used a turning point to move from a life that didn't fully fit to living in a more intentional way despite the messy bits. May these stories inspire you to trust your turning points and take a step forwards through your messy bits towards your more magical life. I have an amazing conversation to share with you today with my online friend from Canada, Miriam Lindemann. And this is the first time we actually got to speak one-to-one in person. We met on a blogging course a long time ago and it's really interesting that several years later we have both claimed our inner writer and we both say that writing is our first love. So Miriam's story is actually very, very raw, very honest and might be a little bit shocking. I can relate to it hugely and I'm so glad she shared what she shared because it's a really stark illustration of how turning points can really be very challenging. However, you cannot reach a life that you love sometimes without going through them. And if anybody can reassure you that you can come out the other side even when you feel like you have nothing and no resources it's Miriam so I really hope that this conversation touches your heart the way it did mine and I would really love to know your thoughts once you finish listening but in the meantime get yourself comfy and enjoy the conversation thank you for agreeing to share your gorgeous energy and share your voice. It's really good to see you. <laughs> Thank you. The same. You're as lovely as you look. Oh, I love that. So I know something about this project has really spoken to you. Do you want to say a little bit more about mm. why that might be? I began to think about turning points in this way that there isn't a point. It's not like it just flips over. There's always a buildup to whatever that turning point is. And I had that in mind. Um, And that is so true, just generally. That was one thing that came to me. And the other thing is that it takes as long as it takes to move from where we want to be, from where we are to where we want to be we have really, we can put our feet forward and do whatever we can. And there are so many unknowns and it's helpful to just surrender to some of that and just say, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm walking towards this goal. If it's the right one, yay, but I am doing the work. And now, you know, I, I cannot control events and people and all sorts of things. Yeah. So when I reflected on the major turning point, I would say 
you know, and the very bottom line of it is uh, almost 11 years ago, I had to plot and plan the uh, escape from my, the home where I was living with my ex-husband. There just came that moment where I knew that, um, and I had done enough reading, and I knew that if I didn't do it this way, I wouldn't get out because there was no one to talk to. He could not talk, and he would not let me go. And so, but it took a long time, and I had no idea that it would end in the way that it did. But there was a moment I, I met him, you know, when I was with him for 17 years and I was 37 when I met him and he was 57. So, oh my goodness, power imbalance right there. And he worked in this, you know, for the same boss. And I couldn't read the signs because I was young. I couldn't read the signs. And so I ended up with him. And six years before that day that I finally left, so now we're like nine years in there or whatever it is, you know, it was long. Yeah. yeah. Um, the relationship itself took me to a place where I ended up in a recovery program. I suddenly started binging and I hadn't done that for years. And I thought, well, it's not about dieting. There's something, this overt behavior means something. You don't just, you know, and I'd been pulled out of a creative writing program. He bought a house in Palm Desert, California, and he expected that I would just pick up and leave. And I was 48. And I had said to him, please don't put me in a retirement community. But he couldn't care less, you know, and he did, you know, we just did. And I followed and you know, I had been married twice before and divorced. And I thought, well, I'm just going to stick it out. Like, how can, how many divorces and marriages can a girl have? And I was embarrassed already, you know. But uh, that getting to Palm Desert and me binging suddenly got me to an Overeaters Anonymous program. I'd never done a recovery program. And there began the reclaiming of my power. God bless them, you know. I'm not in one now. I mean, I this is not necessary, but and because they do say, you know, you've got to be there forever, and I'm sure that's true for some. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to knock their system because I think it's an amazing system. Yeah. Um, and then it was followed by a year later, my sponsor saying to me, you know, I don't have your issues with the with your husband i don't have that issue you have to go to see you have to go to codependence anonymous oh my god another program i needed codependence anonymous i needed to see that i would do anything for love yeah and i know i'm not alone in that you're definitely not alone in that i know and that's why i thought no i have to tell this story because the most bizarre thing is that I have been coaching now mm-hmm. for a lot, like uh, many years, but in my, the five years that I've been out of corporate work, many of the women who come to me, I don't ask for them. 
they are either looking for a partner, wanting a partner and a baby, not well in their marriages. And I'm thinking, why do I get these ladies? You know, because it hurts me for them. So, and I always try to move into, let's be more positive, get somewhere else. No. And that's why I I had to tell you about this turning point, because it took six years. I had no knowledge that I was going to go. I didn't see that there was an opportunity, but I was going to try it out, work it out. Yeah. And it took those years to get strong. And I would say within the last, uh, I don't know, six months to a year before I left, I ended up in an alternative health clinic at a hospital where they were there to teach um, mindfulness meditation and heart math and like all the non-regular stuff for free because this is Canada. And they were getting me off my antidepressants. I had been put on those things to deal with this guy. Yeah. Can you imagine? And so I got off of that. I suddenly started to feel the not rightness of it. Yeah. And there was one moment, just that one moment where he screamed at me one last time. That's all I can tell you. Uh, You know, now I recognize that most people, especially if they're leaving relationships, they have that one moment. You know, it's like one moment, right? It's like, okay, the universe says, I'm going to like smash your head into the wall because you obviously are not hearing. Yeah. And, you know, so there must have, there was an intention that wasn't so, that was conscious and unconscious about getting myself to a point of health. where I could get the heck to see and to be strong enough. And my biggest fear, as is so much with so many women, was what am I going to do for a living? I was now 54 years old. I had signed the most terrible prenup. I wasn't going to get nothing. You know, I'll get a little bit of something, but not much. And, um, and I just plotted that those two weeks, because we were not sleeping in the same bedroom. He had the king size bed. I was in the office with my single bed. I'm not saying that I'm not feeling sorry for myself. Don't get me wrong. It's just a funny scenario. And I started getting stuff out. My journals, number one, two musical instruments, a few clothes. And I called my daughter who was living in Vancouver at the time. And I said, I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving. And she said, well, Mother's Day's coming up. I'll send you a ticket for 10 days. Now, I, he never let me separate for that long, you know. He's, it was hard to, to, to do that. And I, I said, okay. I didn't tell him until about two days before. I had m- moved all my stuff to my friend's house. He'd never noticed anything until much later. And I got myself ready. And I took off. And I didn't know for sure if I wasn't going to go back. But Mm -hmm. I had read now books on angry men and how they do not change. Mm -hmm. And I also knew about the Stockholm Syndrome and how, you know, it is hard to see that you're the one that has something to lose here. Mm -hmm. Right? It's Yeah, yeah. 
but I knew enough. So I checked into, I went to my daughter's place, but there was this wonderful organization called Battered Women's Support Services. And just to clarify, and he never hit me. It was all emotional abuse mm-hmm. and financial control. But he did say, like they did say to me, that's sometimes worse. It's much worse because it gets so deeply ingrained, and it was. And so the reason I mentioned them is because I went there, and there were two moments during those 10 days where I thought I might go back, and I would take myself over there, and they would ask me questions, and it became very clear, no, I don't want to go back. Wow. Because they had that expertise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I did the same thing uh, the one next time where I thought, should I go back? Should I stay? And I was feeling sorry for him, the poor old guy. You know, it took me a month to realize I don't have a pot to piss in and I'm worried about him. The guy who has, he's got $2 million. Like, wait a minute. So that began for me like incredible compassion because I was so traumatized. Like, I am a pretty honest person and to go and have to go and get my stuff out. I was so terrified. I couldn't, I was terrified for a very long time. And so I was in a lot of those, there were wonderful groups that this organization had for women with trauma. And some of the women in my groups had, you know, had been kidnapped. I mean, it was, I was lucky, I thought but we were all the same. Yeah. And so, so began the rebuilding and I did get a job right away. I thought, Oh, I'm too old. No one will hire me. Who hires me? The 20 year olds, the 30 year olds, really. And I, you know, I just, I would come home and just say, you did so good. Oh, good girl. You know, and I look in the mirror at the car. Oh, you did so good. I was, scraping the car you know the mind isn't working all that well it was very 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 difficult and so began like a completely new life I felt scared as I was traumatized anxious anxiety attacks you name it I knew that I now had like a reprieve it was Mm -hmm. a reprieve and that there were some things I, I, I couldn't have known, but I think some, sometimes we can warn people, yeah. but I wouldn't have known this. And that was a lot, that's a lot of suffering. Anyway, it turned out, you know, I went and got a divorce and two years later, because I had been dancing and a little bit, I was just a little bit uh, lonely by then. I'd already met somebody who was safe and kind and very unusual. And not that I, and I wasn't looking for anyone to be honest, but I want to put this out there because when I met Donald, he wasn't like anybody I'd ever met. Mm. Like there was there was nothing that I would have chosen based on the old person I was. He was shorter than me. You know, let's talk about superficialities you know, the, the stupid things that, that seem to matter that don't matter at all. Yeah. Here, here was a most unbelievably kind, 
responsible, loving. I mean, he, you know, everything I couldn't have imagined. And he's, he was a, he's a machinist blacksmith. What the hell was that? <laughs> you know, and I could see, like, you know, uh, uh, getting myself, oh, I'm so superior to that. You know, mine, I'm thinking, I'm so smart, whatever. Oh, I was so full of bullshit. You know, he, it's like he was so magnificent and I knew he was worth it. And I just waited and stayed and, and I hung out with him and I began to see what was possible. And I spoke about the fears I had because I was so neurotic, you know, mm -hmm. talk about like, I was scared, very scared. I wouldn't even make him a meal. I said, Oh no, I don't want to, I've had too many uh, criticisms. You know, it was like, I cannot make you breakfast. Uh, he says, no, you can make anything. I'll eat it even if it's burnt. I don't care. I said, you have no idea. I cannot. But, you know, so there was this whole big reorganizing of my, my whole, all my cells. Yeah, I can totally understand where you're coming from. And I, I don't want to um, make the relationship be the most important thing of all in the world, too. So that's not my message. But I needed to say, here's where I was, this is what I did, and give, like, we come in with such crazy ideas about who needs to be our partner. Mm. And we don't get to see, because we're looking through those, that old lens, we don't see who is in front of us. Mm. And so we do that even when they're not partners, you know, with relationships, with just ordinary friendships. Sometimes we, you know, maybe fear does that, you know, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that was, um, it was, a, it was huge. And I ended up being in a different job and I got trained to as part of the corporate work to become a coach. And I thought, well, that looks like a great idea. Uh, Cause everyone was doing it. My boss said, I'm doing this thing. Would you like to come? Let's do it. You'll love it. You'll love it. And, but I had no business skills. Who the heck even knew you're supposed to have any, I thought I just had to go and put the shingle up. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is the current five-year turning point that I'm in that I said I wasn't going to maybe mention but I just just to be just to put a pause here Helen you know when we said that you said well you may want to offer something I suddenly thought I have got to do something about the relationship thing it has nothing to do with what I'm doing right now it's off topic. Oh, what would they say? All the business coaches, they'd say, oh, no. And I thought, no, I have to serve. I have to serve here. And I put together a questionnaire and a guidebook, just questions to ask yourself. And I'm not trying to push this thing, but I, it was so off topic. It kept so fast. I just did it. And I thought, this is what I'm going to offer. I, I just would like people to think about certain things before they jump into relationships that might give them a chance, a better chance. 
you know, and so much of it is if you're desperate or you just don't love yourself enough and you think it's out there, let, you know, do some work before because that's, you're not going to ever find it out there. Mm-hmm. Like we have, right? Yeah. We have to be whole. I mean, we don't have to be perfect, but we just have to have something of our own. Yeah. And that was the difference with Donald. Like he was him he was his own person. And so was I by the time we met. That had never happened before. Yeah. You know, I was totally either trying to fix them or dependent or you know, whatever it was. And not not to mention that there were always signals. There were signs that uh, you know, when you don't want to see something, you mm-hmm. It gets like stored in some foreign land. Yes. And you never open yeah. You never open the the lock to that. <laughs> no, because you know you won't like what you see on the other side. I feel as though you honoring your instinct to share what you've just shared and to make this the thing you wanted to talk about coupled with the fact that you have somehow managed to pull together you know a kind of guide for anybody who can resonate with what you're sharing that in its essence is really what this entire project is about because there is not one person who has contributed to this or said yes to this because of anything other than a desire to share you know a part of their journey a part of their heart a part of their story in the hope that maybe there'll be someone who hears it that will be served or reassured or given a sense of hope or possibility and so it's perfect that you've talked about this and I think particularly it's perfect that you and I are talking about this because you know and anybody who hears this that knows anything about me will know that I've been in a similar place, albeit much earlier in life. And, um, and so, you know, maybe there is something about us two connecting that means this is a really great opportunity to talk about a subject that maybe is outside your, you know, your usual air quotes. <laughs> remits. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a perfect forum for that because I hear you and I get it. And let's be honest at the, at the end of the day, whatever that phrase means, <laughs> underlying most of the things that we come up against is it's about worth it's about self-worth it's about our relationship with ourselves. um and I love love that you mentioned wholeness Mm. because you know so much is about that as well your coaching work will be about that yes yes well, I'm glad that I did ask you to ask me or say something because I got to think a, a little bit further about, you know, number one, I couldn't have done it without the incredible help that I got, mm. you know, and by that, I, like, I haven't, I've always been someone who can ask, who could ask for help when I needed it because I wasn't going to suffer. If I could avoid suffering, I would try to find, you know, the help. And um, so early on, it might be therapists, because I could see, geez, you know, my brain, I'm not thinking so well, or I'm in trouble, or I'm overweight, or whatever the, the issue of the day was. But 
there, it took a whole village to get, to help me during this transition to a new city and to a new work. And I hadn't worked for a long time because I was, you know, attending. Yeah. Um, and so getting the help is important. And I learned to just swallow my pride. Like I had to ask for uh, like charity that I wouldn't, you know, I used to give the charity, not have, you know, charity. I, you know, it was like huge uh, to just see that I had to take care of this, this woman in whatever way I could, because she, she hadn't done this big thing to have, like for me to, to abandon her and have her perish I had to take her to the workshops and to the dress for success and to the, you know, whatever else I needed to my, like my daughter who helped and her, you know, other people who helped because I needed to live and survive well. And alone, I was way too, uh, my, you know, I had the adrenal fatigue, everything, you know, the whole body took it, took that. Your body would have been in shock. Yeah. Oh, I was like not eating. It, it was yeah. in shock. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, where I'm at today is that it's never too late. The only time it will be late is when it's done, when you are done, when it's over. And it, the reason it's never too late is because we don't know when the end is mm -hmm. and all you have is time. You don't have time to put things off, but you have all the time that you're going to have anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, right. And, and, you know, so I've been focusing a little bit on how luscious aging, but in the end, it's like how we live is how we're going to age if we are optimistic people and have learned how to be that way, because we don't all know how we will be optimistic, older people, and we will share our wisdom and the world needs that. It needs the love and the wisdom and the heart and the, the hope that we have because we have been through it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. We are the only ones that can that can share these stories, you know, because until you've come out the other side, you you can't know how to extend a hand to somebody who's in it. You know, yeah. you're not just aging. I mean, let's be honest. We are all aging every single day. So yes. luscious aging applies across the board to anybody. Yeah. And what an, what a delicious invitation to you're effectively inviting people to explore whether it's possible for them to every single day embrace <laughs> embrace their their human condition and fall back in love with it. That's kind of what I see in that phrase. Yes. I love that you are really putting that out there now. Well, I put it out there because I thought, well, I'm aging. Maybe this will be an interesting subject. But then I thought, you know what, most of the people are hanging out with are in their 40s or 35 or something, you know. So it's like age is a strange concept. <laughs> However, I do know one thing for sure, and that is you have perspective. 
you have been through something, you have perspective, you have experience, and you have yeah. wisdom. I don't care where you are, except for I would say, because I just recently had my, our 13-year-old great-nephew here, I couldn't remember being like that. And that has no perspective whatsoever <laughs> at all. It is just in the stage of development. <laughs> so I think we have things to offer people who resonate with us. And, and I also, like, one of the things that came as I was preparing myself for this conversation was I realized how important that intuition, let's try, let's play with it every single day. Because if you play with it every single day, you're more likely to know what to look for. And you won't be dismissing this incredible faculty, which is based on not just feeling, it's based on experience and knowledge and what's happened before. And it's not all just, it doesn't just come out of nothing only. Yeah. I think you were tuning into intuition when you first started to leave or is that something that you've well it's now in hindsight yeah no i i would say you know when i think back to the the there was a very critical moment when i first starting date i first started dating my ex he had um he was going to move and sell his home and his basement was a little flooded and he wanted to he wanted me to clean up with him there were many things. Helen, some of the things were just so bloody obvious. And I just w didn't want to believe them. But mm -hmm. here I was, and I thought to myself, gee, he's asking a hell of a lot of me. What do you mean clean your basement? First of all, it was so, he was a hoarder. And it stunk of, you know, mold. And he wanted to, um, he wanted to clean up the little flood because he wanted, he didn't want the realtor to know. Now, I happen to be a very ethical person. That in itself would have said something. Mm. But I was so smitten. He was so seductive. Yeah, you know, I was like, that's a huge age difference. You know? is, yeah. 20 years. Wow. So I knew then, like, it wasn't right. Yeah. But he was also very convincing, you know, like, you know, this is a man who told me, oh, his psychiatrist said that he could, no, nothing would change him. You know, talk about overt. But when there's a need, when it, there's a neediness inside, the mind gets shut down. Mm. Or we just don't. So I think intuition, intuition definitely but as I said, there was just this one event that propelled. Yeah. Um, and then it was full of, it wasn't just full of intuition. Like I crashed the car a lot. You know, I, I was in fear a lot. So now they were manifestations of. Yes. So maybe the trick is, can you listen to your intuition when it's as still and quiet as it comes in how how it does you know yeah as opposed to when it gets loud and crashing and banging <laughs> and had i been on top like had i been older or something i would have called on some people to help me mm. you know to stop me 
So by the time I got to Donald so many years, like over 20 years later, the first thing I did was I said to my daughter, I need you to interview anyone I date. Make sure I'm not making a mistake because I know that I will. And then I had like two women, two sponsors, believe it or not, who uh, I asked them to help me with this because first of all, he was a very nice man and he was worth it. Mm. But I also was, couldn't see because I was scared. Mm. They kept saying, no, you keep saying he's kind. Just keep showing up, keep showing up. And it was this, it's been the sweetest, biggest, best. And I feel like I'm starting my life over again. And I think, oh my God, how could it have come so late? Wouldn't it have been like, this is the feeling I once had when I first started, you know, so many years ago. So I'm, you know, I want to, I'm saying all of this because if it helps somebody, that would be fantastic. And clearly, clearly I had a history that didn't, that was not conducive to me being a person who knew herself. Mm. You know, it was a hard childhood with very aggressive people, lots of physical abuse, lots of no, you know, it was lacking. God bless them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so you get, you come out of 20 years, you know, I had to marry my first husband because my father wasn't having any of this moving out and you know I was shaming the family name I knew that wasn't going to last but I had to save my life he was very very physically aggressive with me and you know so we legitimately come to these things yeah and now it's like my life I have never been as creative never and my big love is writing I Writing is my medicine. I couldn't have predicted that. But you are an amazing writer as well. I love it. Do you know what? Here's the intuition that worked. The day that I left, I left, like I resigned from my job because I thought I don't have time and I don't want to die. My best friend had just died at 60 of breast cancer. I was about to be 60. I said, look, you can spend the next five years in this organization and be miserable and get ill, or you could just try something else. And I just got the hell out. But the first thing I did was I said, you know, they say that blogging is something good for business. Maybe I will try blogging. And one of the people, I went to a leadership con, like a leadership training, and one of the people her coach was Karina. She had had, she says, you would love her. And I went to her website and I thought, oh, this is so not the marketing crap stuff that I see everywhere. I can feel, you know, how she had all the. Yeah, yeah. This is Karina Gordon Barnes for anyone. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. No, 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 no. Yes. Karina Gordon Barnes. My God. Because she brought us together. (laughs) She did. And I started blogging and that's, and that was intuition, but I was, you know, I heard it and I was going to do it. Yeah. Whereas not, that wasn't a warning. That was a like, go girl. And that is like the most fun 
and exciting and helpful, miraculous. It's life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, one thing I would say is I keep saying to myself, if all I had, if all I had had were these last 11 years, like I can die happy already. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I could never have said that before because I was actually hoping I would die. Yeah. Like, how else do you get out? So it's never too late. And for those women who are worried about money, that's why it's important to get help and you will get help and you will get trained and don't make money be the thing. Oh, we do that so much. Yeah, that's so true. It's so true. And I, I love that you, you've included that practical concern that so many people have. And um, I know I'm younger than you, but I, in many respects, I came, started coming home to myself later in life as well it's taken it's been a long old journey and and i i talk about it never being too late as well um and i and that's one of the reasons i wanted to ask you about your intuition you know because i've had so many people um almost fixate on that in terms of i don't know how to access it i don't have it how did you get it um and i think it's really valuable for people to hear that you know it it, it can come up on you later in life when when you've been through goodness knows what it will revisit you and when it does revisit you you better watch out because before you know it you are starting to do things you you never knew you would be drawn mm -hmm. to you know like writing for you and uh, speaking for me that's just total intuitive nudges that make no logical sense whatsoever and yeah. just saying yes to them it's um i think it's love it's lovely for people to hear well also i think they because we haven't been trained to understand it and it's all been training in logic and mm. and, and so much of our logic is is not even logical <laughs> yes. it's false, false logic definitely truly we just don't know how to recognize it. It's not that it's not there. It's not even that it's gone. It's not that it appeared late for me. It was just not, it's as if like, I don't know how to say it, but it's almost like, imagine if you had never been hearing in your life or you had never seen in your life and you got an operation and suddenly your sight was back or your hearing was back. Or you, or you, you lost a limb, but now you, you know, there's a great limb, and you can play the guitar again. It's that it's always there, and it. We just need to tune into what is stillness in us and our bodies, because it starts there. That it does, yeah. Right, and and also to see, like, so what's your what are some of the modes in which this is coming in? Like with writing, I hear. Yeah. I just hear. But have I, do I see sometimes? Do I get a little bleh? Yeah, I do. And then what is the most, um, the rawest form is in the gut. Like somebody asked me a question yesterday and I said, can I trust my body? Mm -hmm. Really? Even now, right? Even now. 
And she said, a hundred percent. I said, well, I don't like that thing. My body says no. Yeah. Just like that. My body, the whole body says no. And you know how the mind comes in and tries to push it away. So if people feel that intuition is like they, you know, they're, I don't know if this is what you're saying really, but it's not the, it's not the only key. It's not the key, but it's always in the lock anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm not telling you something you don't know. That's for sure. No, but it's beautiful how you've expressed that. I swear I did not, I didn't know to explain it that way up until you know, when the writing really started to kick in and I started doing something called active imagination, which is from, you know, a Carl Jung technique, which is so just dialoguing with, you know, parts of ourselves. And, you know, when I saw that, yeah, I started to recognize it more. So it's like playing with the different modes of access and then maybe paying attention every day. Like, does the body say yes? Does it say no? I don't know. Let's you know, make it up. Because if we if we start practicing now, when the big things come, we will say, oh, yeah, that. Definitely. And I think my, my experience has been that actually when you when you do start recognizing ways that your intuition shows itself to you, you actually start to remember all of the ways it's visited you before that you know like right. you said you you don't you don't want to see at the time and yes calling things in in childhood or all, all kinds of stuff yes it's in so many ways you know what in a way it's so connected to turning points mm. because that intuition shows up at that moment where you actually make a decision of some kind. Because yes. I remember being 10 years old and my father had told me that I was on his camera, on camera for two years. He had a camera, he said, in his car, in his taxi. And one day I'm in his car, I'm 10 years old. And I say, there's no camera here. And they laugh. But I, I had become neurotic about it all. You know, I've become very paranoid and did they're looking or did I do the right thing? You know, whatever. In that moment, that's the turning point moment. I said, I will never trust these people mm. again. Yeah. They are untrustworthy. And it's, they were untrustworthy. It doesn't, you know, so, and that was a turning point moment, right? Yeah. But it came as a some message, like it wasn't okay that laughter, those two years, pew, crashed like symbols. So you're right, that intuition, you know, we can almost say turning points, intuition, they kind of come together they nicely. Really yeah, they do. Definitely. But I think every every little junction you come to, whether you know you're at it or not. Or whether it's just a drip feed of things, <laughs> as so often happens, especially when you leave a scary person. Um, mm. You know, in, in each of those things that contribute to that moment, you are, whether you realise it or not, you're making a decision to either step backwards into safety or forwards into a new arena in some 
way shape or form so they are you're listening to something even if you don't consciously know what it is it might be the voice of fear and safety or it might be Mm. might be something completely different or it might be something that pulls you or yeah it's it's really nuanced and that's why that's why i love these conversations because there are so many different ways to access this stuff and reflect on it and share and one thing that your listeners could really know is that when you make that decision, I swear, I, I felt that angels were there all the time caring for me, that doors were opening, uh, the, you know, doors began to open even in the fear. Yeah. So there is something else you know, that is supporting you, you don't have to feel so that it's all up to you and you have to figure it out. And no, it's, there is some kind of grace (laughs) that shows up, whether you're a believer or not, that will blow your mind. Uh, those stories I have a lot of those stories (laughs) and I just kept saying thank you thank you thank you thank you because I couldn't believe what would show up for for this little girl I was taking care of who was a woman but you know she was pretty scared and I had to just take her hand and you will take your hand the hand too you know that's true no matter what the next thing is. I found the same. I definitely agree with you. And again, it's, uh, it's not always something you 100% see at the time, but it's almost as though once you've made that decision to move towards something that's more suited to you, aligned with you, whatever, however you want to express that, things start to align in your favour. And people are kind. They are, That's yeah. the thing. They... Good people are there. They definitely are. And they see, they see that you, you need and you're suffering and they, they come out and help you. It's so beautiful. And I love that you, you, one of the things you shared that you may, you may not know how significant this is um, in terms of its value to people who might hear this, but you talked about um, asking for help you know, and a lot of people that hear this will will be Brits. I hate to put us all in a box, but um, Brits are not very good at asking for help because, you know, it's that whole stiff upper lip thing, especially Northerners. Um, I think Canadians can be the same as well. Let's, let's put yeah, them in boxes. Yeah, Some yeah. of the Canadians I know can be the same. But and the folks in the US. Thing to share. <laughs> yeah. You know, we just get this idea that um somehow and if we ask for help, it's showing some kind of weakness or saying that we haven't got it all together, which is just ego nonsense. And so I love I love that you raised that. That's really it's an important thing to say. So thank you. I, I you know it's it's not about like we are independent, but we're interdependent. Definitely. And if, you know, it's like saying if there's a fire in your village and people are homeless, they, you're not going to say to yourself, well, just have a stiff upper lip. 
you're going to say, oh my gosh, let's do a barn raising. Let's, let's help them. Yeah. That's the truth of, and we are not alone and we're not meant to be. There's something bizarre. As you said, it, it is really a, an ego thing. You know, how do I want to appear? Yeah. What will they, what will they think? What will they think? They, yeah. they, well, we yeah. say, have a good time. Knock yourself out. <laughs> Go ahead. Have, have a field day. Gossip your head off. But in the meantime, I'm going to get a, you know, I'll get a house and some clothes and start over. Yeah. So, so where do you find yourself now? How are you, how are you feeling about life now and your journey now on the other side of, I know this will only be one huge turning point of, of many. Mm, well, that's Where a great question. How do you feel? I am in my life. Let's put it that way. I'm in my life and my big, the big question is always now, because I had, you know, this is my first time ever having, you know, being a business person, mm. is how does this thing turn out? Yes. And um, I've been very fortunate that somehow I've been allowed to, to take the time to see who, who's there. I'm still there. You know, I mean, I, I'm clearer. Um, I'm less confused. I sure as heck know something more about what it takes. It's a lot of work. Mm. It's a lot of unexpected work. Yeah. And I don't know where it's going to go. And that's why, you know, I wasn't feel like I could even speak to that because I'm not so sure. But I, you know, it's still the question of when you're in a transition, will you trust that you can, that this is the, this is okay? Can you trust that it, like, I can tell you where I ended up after that particular relationship. I can't tell you necessarily where I will have ended up with respect to the business. Yeah. I'm not in that place. And so here I am back at your, you know, something is revealing itself. Mm -hmm. And so hang in there because I'm, <laughs> I'm not finished. I'm nowhere finished. Yeah, definitely not. But it sure as heck isn't what I thought it was going to be which is just fine. So that's the, that's where I'm at. I'm the most, I am in my most creative place. I am in the most loving relationship that I have ever had. There's no work there. Like, you know, when people say, oh, you have to work through, there's nothing that has gone, nothing in all these nine, almost 10 years that we have had to like pull our hair about we hardly ever fight about anything like fight like no nothing like that we can talk yeah it's a different world and as i like i feel like oh my god anything is possible anything and i'm also very aware of how short time is yeah well, I'm 65, you know, like my father lived till 67. My mother lived till 97. 
I don't know. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's tender. It's like, it means something. It means something a little different. I don't have the 20 years ahead of me necessarily. Not the way that I felt in my 30s and 40s. You know, then it was like a forever. Yeah. Right in That's front true. of us. I'm just listening now for what's next. And this is a beautiful what's next. Thank you. Like just for inviting me play with you and with all these other people. And I'm really excited. I don't know why. Like I don't have to, I don't have to ask myself at all. Like these are the best, this is the best kind of, you don't have to know. It's just, you know, it's good. That's beautiful because, um, you know, I guess I'm probably I've probably landed in a very similar place, and um, this whole project is something I'm really excited about as well. But I kind of don't know why. I'm just following the nudges and the breadcrumb trails and enjoying these exchanges and conversations and insights. You know, I'm privileged I'm privileged to hold space to get to hear you to get to see you I feel quite emotional about it but in a beautiful way you know I think that's a kind of a beautiful place to finish apart from letting you have an opportunity to say how people can find out more about your journey and connect with you and you know if if you've touched something in their hearts how can they how can they find you and see your gorgeous writing and all of the amazing stuff you put out well here's the first thing you go you go do is you check out helen's website because she's got all of our names and stuff on there am i right so you know if you absolutely can't remember my name it's really it you know i have a website it's called miriamlinderman.com thank you so much this is exactly as wonderful as i imagined oh thank you same absolutely same Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Turning Point Project. If you found this episode useful, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast as it really makes a difference and will only take a moment. If you'd like to continue the conversation or ask me any questions, come and connect with me over on Instagram at Helen Rebello Author or join the free magical life movement at HelenRebello.com. Have a gorgeous, gorgeous day and I'll catch you in the next episode.